So we're going to be reading Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. This is most likely the, the actual end of the Gospel of Mark. Let me just check one thing here. This is, uh, there, there are other verses that go beyond verse 8, but most of you will probably have notes in your Bible uh, that say that, that the, most, the earliest and most reliable manuscripts that we have of Mark actually end at verse 8 of chapter 16. Um, now, we talked about this when we first started, Mark. The, the existence of different variants of, of the Gospels over the years, and there's lots of different kinds of explanations for how possibly those other verses got in there. There are some that would suppose that perhaps Mark never actually finished his gospel and, and was killed before he was able to complete the gospel, and so some of his followers afterwards add, added some of those things uh, there are some that have speculated that perhaps Mark had written more, but in the codex, the, the book that, that uh, he had written, that maybe the last page had gotten ripped out somehow. And this is all that we have of those earliest, earliest copies. Um, it, there's also some that suggest that Mark did this for dramatic effect. That he, he, You remember when we talked about this, this book that was likely set up as kind of like a dinner theater. Uh, that, that there were those that would have this um, book of the Gospel of Mark memorized and they would go out to different places and people would gather for a meal and they would recite the entire book of the Gospel of Mark, which is, as we noted at the, uh, the chapter 1, this is the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so... It, the ending of this, the way that it ends, is a very dramatic cliffhanger kind of, a, kind of an ending. And so that could be the way that Mark wrote it. And then afterwards, everybody said, Mark, what, what are you doing? You can't leave it like that. And so then he added the other pieces that, that got into some of the other manuscripts. There's, there's lots of different speculation of how the other ones got in there. But um, today I want us to, to look at this as this is the last of Mark's gospel. We're going to, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to go through the rest of, of the chapter 16. But, uh, but today I want us to look at this as, as it was, I think, originally intended for us to come to verse 8 as the end of what Mark's gospel has to say. Let me read this together with you. Mark chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed... Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go and anoint Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went up to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. And it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Don't be alarmed. 
you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. <laughs> he is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. But they went out and fled from the tomb. For trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone. For they were afraid. The end. What? Are you, are you kidding me? That's how you're going to end this. You see, uh, the Sabbath was complete. There was no longer any, any, uh, any regulations for them to worry about doing any kind of work on the Sabbath. They weren't running across any laws like that. So uh, they hadn't had enough opportunity to be able to, uh, to anoint Jesus properly. And, and this wasn't like an embalming. This was, this was a way of honoring the dead, of, of caring for the body, of, of going through that closure process, of saying goodbye to a loved one. They hadn't had that opportunity because uh, Jesus' crucifixion had happened so close to the Sabbath. And so they, needed to, they had to wait until all of that was completed before they could come and, and anoint his body. And, and you'll notice that these are the same ladies who have been witnesses to Jesus' crucifixion. There we, we see them there in uh, ch chapter 40 of verse 15. It says, There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and the youngest of Josie and Salome. So, so these were women who witnessed Jesus' crucifixion. They saw him die. They were also there to, to see them lay Jesus in the tomb. Verse 47 of chapter 15. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jose, saw where he was laid. So it wasn't a case of them getting the wrong tomb. Mark is including this to, to, to verify their witness that 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 yes, indeed, these women knew that Jesus was dead. That's why they were going there to anoint his body. They had every expectation that he would be dead in the tomb. And they had seen which tomb he was in. It wasn't like they got the wrong tomb somehow. They were witnesses of the exact place where they had laid Jesus. And they were coming expecting to find his body that they would be able to honor. Somebody that they loved dearly. And yet when they got there, he had risen. The tomb, uh, the stone was rolled away and there was this young man. In Matthew's Gospel, it identifies him as, uh, as an angel but I think Mark wanted us to, to recognize this. This wasn't this great manifestation of a seraphim with the six wings with eyes all over there, this great terrifying sight. No, this was just a young man. 
Jesus wanted to leave somebody that would be there that would, be, uh, would, would minimize the fear factor as much as possible. A young man dressed in a white robe that, that would pass on this glorious news that he is not here. He has risen. But they were afraid. And they fled. And instead of following the instructions that this young man gave to them, because of their fear, because of their confusion, they told no one. And that's where Mark leaves his gospel. It's important to remember this. Remember how he opened this up. This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is not the end of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But this is just the beginning. And he ends this to be able to put it into our hands, into the hands of his audience, uh, of how are you going to carry on this gospel of Jesus Christ? We know that it didn't end here, right? The very fact that we have this gospel. Somebody was told that Jesus had indeed risen. And others, in their faithfulness, continued to carry that message forth, to be able to proclaim throughout the generations to us here today that Jesus Christ is alive he has, he has defeated death. And He lives now to, to lead and guide us in a life free from sin. But in that moment, the women were afraid and they told no one. It, it's almost, uh, I'm going to show my nerdy self here a little bit, but it kind of reminds me of Lord of the Rings, right? Bilbo in his, in his, his uh, story of the Hobbit. He, he, he tells this tale of a Hobbit and he writes it all down and then he passes on the book to Frodo, his nephew. Because the, the gospel, the story is not yet done. And so Frodo picks up that story and he then, through his experiences, tells his tale of, of the, the continued faithfulness there in Middle-earth. But when his time is done, he, he doesn't stop. He takes the book and passes it off to Samwise. Samwise, there, there's more story that yet needs to be told. And I think that's part of what, what Mark is doing here for us today. By ending his gospel in this way, he is passing that parchment off to us, his audience, to be able to say, how are you going to continue this good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Are you going to respond like the women who were there, who out of fear ran and fled because of the confusion? Are you going to be like the disciples who abandoned Jesus, who denied Him, who, who hid themselves, who aren't anywhere in uh, the description of watching the, the, the crucifixion or seeing the burial or any of those kinds of things? Who are you going to be like? 
Or are you going to be like the centurion? Remember as Tegan shared with us last week, that once the, the veil was torn, the curtain was torn there in the temple, that it was then the, the veil was torn from the eyes of the centurion. God came and, and opened up his eyes to be able to show that truly this was the Son of God. You're going to be like Joseph of Arimathea, who when the veil was torn out of his eyes, even though he was a member of the council, he put his reputation on the line by going and asking for the body of Jesus so that he could go and lay him in a tomb and honor him like that. It wasn't just that he, he saw that he believed, but he actually lived that out. He put himself at risk in order to align himself with Christ, that this is what he believed. How are you going to continue that story? What, what were these ladies afraid of? Well, <laughs> pretty consistently throughout Scripture, when somebody encounters a spiritual being, <laughs> there's fear. That's why most times when angels inter interact with somebody, their first words are, Fear not. Don't be alarmed, as he says now. It's okay. Just relax. Everything's cool. So I can understand the women coming face to face with this angelic being and being afraid. I can also understand that, 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 that there was great concern. This was this was crazy news. They had seen Jesus die. They knew the, the anger. They had, they had been there. They had heard the crowds crying out to crucify Him. They had seen the, the determination that the council, the chief priests, and, and all the rest of the religious elite had to, to try and destroy Jesus. And in the midst of all of this, this confusion, this, now this news that his body wasn't there, that, that they were afraid and just fled. You can understand that, right? When there's fear like that. Maybe, maybe they were afraid that nobody's going to believe us. <laughs> we better just keep our mouths shut. They're just going to think we're a bunch of crazy histrionic women. Which, actually, if you continue to read, next week we're going to be looking at that. And, and they do, it says that they did tell somebody, and nobody believed them. Way to go, guys. Maybe they were afraid of, if they were to go and, and proclaim this around that Jesus had been raised, that they would be some kind, there would be some kind of retribution from the authorities, from the Romans or something like that, that their lives would be at risk if they would carry that. And so they told no one. Fear and confusion is one of Satan's favorite tools to work in our lives. He does it so effectively to, to use that to try and, and shut our mouths and to, to, to dissuade us from, from taking the steps that God would call us to. That fear is, is one of the things that, that, that compels us to silence, that, that moves us into isolation from other people, that keeps us 
from reaching out and, and, and accomplishing all of those things that God would call us to do, the things that we would want us to do. But I think Mark's Gospel is here that, to encourage us. Don't let fear be the end of your story. Don't let the fear and confusion that is swirling around you in the world today stop you from following through and experiencing the fullness of that veil being torn and your eyes being opened to all that God has for each and every one of us. There are voices today that mock the idea that somehow humans are sinful. That we need a Savior to come and rescue us. That we can't just pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and, and make a way for ourselves. There are voices that are going to, to prompt you to question, is this true? Did any of this really happen? Does this have any application in my life? This, this message that Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, came to earth to rescue me from my sin? And that all I need to do is put my faith in Him. Trust that His sacrifice is sufficient to pay the price for my sin. And because He has paid that price, I can now live. I can live today following God and be able to know that He speaks to me and leads and guides every step that I take. That I can live throughout all of eternity proclaiming the goodness, the wisdom, the power, the love, the forgiveness of God to all of creation for all of eternity. Is that true? These voices are going to call you to question that. And fear, how can I... How can I put my faith, how can I live my life as if that is true? How can I give up control of my life to this God that I cannot see? And these voices call us to silence. To say, that's not for me. Don't let that fear, that confusion be the end of your story. You see, the message of Jesus Christ is absolutely true. That it works in our lives and has worked throughout history over and over again of transforming people's hearts and minds to discover the, the forgiveness, the love, the grace, the truth that there is in Jesus Christ. And that by surrendering ourselves and putting our faith in what He has done on our behalf, that we can experience true freedom, true life. Don't let that fear be the end of your story. Maybe your fear is that you have gone too far. That you are so sinful You've done so many things that you are so ashamed of that, that there's no way that Jesus could forgive you. That God would want you as a part of His family. Don't let that fear be the end of your story. Instead, 
Allow the Spirit of God to be able to pull that veil away for you to be able to realize that, that Christ's sacrifice is sufficient for the sins of the whole world. That there is no one that, has, that is too sinful that He can't forgive. And there's no one who is, who is too ashamed, too weighed down that can't experience true freedom and love by faith in Him. Allow the Spirit of God to, to pull and tear that veil away from your eyes so that you can see and receive for yourself the gift of life from Jesus Christ. Maybe you believe that Jesus has paid that penalty for your sin, but you're afraid of giving Him total control of your life. But there are still parts of your lives where you want to have the authority. You want to be able to make the determination of how you will live. Young people. It's so easy to think, oh man, I've got my whole life ahead of me. There's so much to live, so much to experience. When I get older, then I'm going to be ready to receive Christ and, and fully turn my life over to Him. Don't let that be the end of your story. There is so much that you can live and by living it all under the, the authority, the, call, the, the calling of Jesus Christ, there is no telling what He might accomplish and what you might experience. Don't let that fear of what will I be missing out be the end of your story. Parents, so easy to get caught up in, I need to, to provide for my kids. I, I need to make that the priority. I need to make sure that they have all the, the opportunities that they need, that, uh, that I, I, I can't have time to, to get to church on a regular basis because there's all of these great things that my kids need to explore. And once my kids have grown up, then I'll be ready to give my life and follow Christ without any reservation. Don't let that fear of how, you, of how your kids will miss out if you commit yourself to Jesus Christ and follow Him fully. Don't let that fear be the end of your story. Instead, see how Christ will open up the doors for your children, that will set a foundation for them, that will, that will give them a strong, uh, a strong path that they can live out into the future. Empty nesters. <laughs> the lure of your prime earning years can be such a pressure to say, I, I don't have time right now. I need to, to make the most of, of all I can before retirement comes. When I retire, then I'll have all the time that I need to be able to, to focus on following Jesus. But i got to take advantage of this time right now and, and do all that I can. Don't let that be the end of your story. Seniors, you've lived a good life. You've worked hard through all of your days. It's now time for you to relax and enjoy the good life. 
Don't let that be the end of your story. The Lord still has so much for you to accomplish, so much to do through you. Allow the Holy Spirit to pull that veil that you can live your life fully in in surrender and submission to all that He has, all that He wants to do for you. For all of us, there are strong forces that whisper in our ears that that we can't speak out this truth, that it would be too risky if we were to share our faith with others. So often we are kept silent because we're concerned about how it will look if we were to tell other people about Jesus. Don't let that be the end of your story. Allow God to pull back that veil, to loose your tongue, to empower you to be able to proclaim from the mountaintops that there is hope in Jesus Christ alone. You see, if we allow that to be the end of our story, we have a a community around us, a world that needs to know that there is life, that there is forgiveness, that there is truth, that there is grace in Jesus Christ alone. And if we don't take the time to write our part of the story, to to allow the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to be able to continue through our lives, there will be so many who will be lost. Instead, let's all of us invest every moment, every ounce, every effort towards knowing Christ better. To immersing ourselves in His Word. To dedicating ourselves to to listening for His voice. Of committing to, to follow Him no matter what the cost. And to allow His Spirit to work in and through us to accomplish those plans that are so much more than we could ever ask or imagine. Let that how God uses you to write his part of the gospel of the Jesus Christ, the Son of God, here in this time and in this place, and then pass that on to the next generation where they can continue that story and write it for his glory and for his kingdom forever and ever. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help. I know that fear is so powerful. Uh, that Satan loves to throw confusion into my life to, to make me think that I don't know what the truth is. And yet, God, we, all we need to do is fix our eyes on you. To listen for your voice 
It is your character. It is your nature to reveal yourself. And that is you tear that veil from our eyes that we can see clearly. And that your Holy Spirit would empower us to be able to follow diligently all that you call us to. All that you speak into our lives. Lord, as we come up on this Christmas season, as we are getting closer to all of that, we pray that that the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ would shine brightly in us and through us, into this community and around the world. That we would have the joy of seeing you reap a harvest of lives dedicated to following you, surrendering to your authority, in faith trusting in your sacrifice for their sins. So we put our lives in your hands as a, as a story to be written, as a gospel to be proclaimed. Use us as you will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.